What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Around the Paddock. I'm your host, Seb. Alongside me, I've got Nico. Hey, what's up? And you already know what it is. We've got your Paddock Pass to all things F1 from this past week. And listen, you know how I've been saying that sometimes we add a little bit more, we sprinkle a little bit more to it? Well, today's the day because I'm glad to say it's a special episode. It's the 10th episode, so woohoo to us. But it's our very first guest episode as well. And with us, we've got two wonderful gentlemen. We've got Derek. What's going on, everybody? Which I may call him Batchel, so don't get it confused. And we've also got Joel. Hey, what's up? Who also has a nickname, but I'm going to save that one for, uh, you know, I'm going to keep that one close close to our hearts. Um, but anyways... <laughs> Part of the specialness, yeah, exactly. We don't we don't want to get demonetized. So part of <laughs> what makes this episode special too is we're deviating a little bit from the usual format. We don't have a formation, main race, or cooldown lap, but instead, as our guests are maybe not as deep into F one as Nico and I are, because we've fallen down the rabbit hole. We we've got a couple of stories from from F one from from the history of F1 that we're just going to tell them and kind of see what they think and just have a conversation with that. And it should, it should be a good time. How are we all doing boys? I'm not doing too bad. Slowly dying. (laughs) Slowly dying. Not too bad. Doing good. That's what's up. You're not Superman, Joel. You're doing well. You're not doing good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the weather could be nicer, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, shouts out Ontario with all their windstorms and and whatnot, you know. Maybe not even all yeah. of Ontario. That's that's a bit that's a bit hubristic. He says meanwhile dwelling know. in Ontario. From Southern Ontario. From no. Guelph to Ottawa. From, from Guelph to Ottawa at all least. All of Ontario experiences the same weather, it's a fact. <laughs> to all of Real- those of you in Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah. Realistically it's all of Canada that actually matters. That's true. That's true. We 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 get the same weather yeah. countrywide, right? Oh, uh, saying yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was this was this a bit of an uh? Were you trying to get redemption yeah, for your a- Quebec comment last week? Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, Nico, I know you said you're dying, and you know, well, well, you're not actually dying, yeah. but. But the man's energy is is, is running vaccine. on low, right? Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. uh, he's like Williams right now, hanging in the back. So why don't you just get us started with the first yeah. story, man? We're 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 like we're like pop pop, and we're telling our grandkids a story of F one, just to get them into it. All right. So to get us all started, you can tell the uh, the amazing story of Kimmy nearly destroying an F one team just by being too good. Now I know Derek. You've Think you've told me you've 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 heard of this one. So, I mean, yes, I yeah. I have read about this in in recent weeks. Yeah. So this story I is nuts. Think about this, like so. if, yeah. Think of like if Michael Jordan was so good, he nearly bankrupted the entire entirety of basketball. This is what Kimmy ended almost did. So this picture two thousand nine. You know, host the. Uh, uh, the Great Recession or whatever the thing in 2008 <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah, whatever that thing was. <laughs> At this point, it's not that big of a deal compared to COVID. Um, so Kimmy, you know, took a sabbatical from, from F1, uh, only to return in 2012 from uh, 
during that time. And at the time, he joined the Lotus F1 team prior to this. And he performed miracles for this team. In fact, he performed probably one of the best years he might have ever performed. Um, in his clause for his contract, had a stipulation that for every point he'd score, he would get 50,000 euros. Which is an insane amount of money per point. So, of course, you know, naturally, what do you do when you get a, a contract stipulated and you get 50,000 euros per point? You maximize on your potential. He ended up racking 390 points in a span of two years, um, which is, you know, r- roughly around 19.5 million euros in total, which include 13 podium finishes and two race wins, including... Uh, ugh. So, 19.5. This actually made him, in during this era, the second highest paid athlete of the year. Um, but, unfortunately, his winnings were so high that Lotus itself did not have the capacity to really pay for him uh, for all the points that they actually ended up owing him. Uh, so, yeah, that's, in the quick notes, the, uh, the story of how Kimmy nearly broke Lotus. So Joel, imagine imagine you could get fifty thousand dollars for every win in the crew too. <laughs> yeah, it would be a it's pretty uh, quite a bit. Yeah, for every race you win, you'd have your own. You'd have your own like garage with motorcycles and cars and stuff already. <laughs> like one yeah. one win would give me a garage full of like seven motorcycles. Really, fifty thousand euros? Oh yeah. You buy oh, yeah, seven easily. motorcycles with that and a garage. Well, it depends on what kind of motorcycle you're going for. I don't want to go off on a motorcycle tangent because I totally could. <laughs> but yeah, fair enough. I, mean, well, I guess we'll say that for the expect- MotoGP special, you know. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I don't really follow it too much, but I know a decent bit about that. Yeah, but basically, I think I think the moral of the story here is that when your employer yeah it gives you a, a a clause like that where you can just get more money for for doing your job you're just gonna you're just gonna snap he's gonna go ham. yeah they kind oh, of yeah. just shot themselves in the foot with that offer yeah yeah, yeah they did hmm. they did especially because yeah. he was world champion in 2007 right so like i mean this yeah. this guy's yeah he's a, ra- a driver that has won a world championship and you're just have such little confidence in your s- ability to score points i guess <laughs> Have you ever heard of? He also uh, was like. Have you ever heard of Vasily Lomachenko? No. He's um he's like one of uh, boxing's like best featherweights. He like had like a hundred sixty to like thirty or so. He had hundred sixty wins, like hundred thirty losses, or sorry, thirty losses. And uh, his first like hundred wins were like hundred hundred no, and he just like was so much faster and stronger than everyone else in his in his weight class. True. So it just sounds similar to like the skill level of the guy you're talking about. Yeah, Kimmy. You would yeah. like Kimmy, man. He he's 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 Kimmy funny. He's a legend. He's funny. Yeah. Well, we'll make yeah, clips. No, it's nuts. In 2009, he he was paid as much as Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Just to no, give a bit was, of record, uh, reference. That was 2012, I think, Nine. when he came back. No, no, I, che- I checked it before. Oh, you did? Oh, true. 
Oh, yeah. I thought it was when he when he yeah. came back. Fair. So yeah, Kimmy, legend, always. Great, great for interviews, great around the paddock, and yeah, bankrupting teams like hmm. nothing. <laughs> oh yeah. Cool. So I guess the next one we have, this one, like we're starting off a little bit like slow and easy, right? Some of the more like outlandish stories we're saving for the end. But there was like, it's funny for a sport where like thousands and hundreds of a second counts for so much. Um, there was actually a, an occasion in 1997 when three drivers were on pole position, basically like three drivers scored the exact same time. Um, so that was like in the European Grand Prix. And like that was at the very end of the 1997 season. And a lot of people will remember that final race um, because Michael Schumacher collided with Jacques Villeneuve, who's actually a Canadian. And that was the year that Villeneuve won the, the driver's championship. Like he won in the last race. Um, actually, that's that's another that's another story. But Schumacher, like when they were coming on a curve, Schumacher kind of turned in a little too hard and ended up hitting uh, Villeneuve's car. But he hit it in a way that like he damaged his own car but Villeneuve didn't damage his, right? Or I think it did damage it, but like he was still able to keep going in the race. So he just had to finish and, and he won the championship. So that happened then. But the day before, uh, during qualifying, it was Jacques Villeneuve, Michael Schumacher, and this other German driver, like Hans Harald Frensen. They, they all got the exact same time, which was like one minute and then 21.072 seconds. And then, so yeah, like basically when the three drivers finished, they all had the same time, like, and the way that they had to decide who started first, second, third was like who set the time first, right? So Villeneuve, the Canadian was, was the guy who set it first. So he started first, then Schumacher second and Frensen third. But it's just, it's just nutty. Like I've done swimming before. Like when I did swimming in high school. I remember I finished like one one thousandth of a second ahead of like my one teammate when we did our our like leg there. And I thought that was nuts, but like if we would have tied it exactly, that would have been that would have been pretty crazy. But yeah, I don't know. Like this this one was just like a, a bit of an easier one, but it goes to show that, you know, it can happen. Damn, I wanna show you how Sorry, I'm I'm looking it up right now, Derek, because you said what the odds of that are. Hmm. I mean, no, it's absolutely. I would hope that's a thousand per second. Say. Oh, I don't think it says how. But but. I I like I'm just looking on Google. Apparently, according to you know who to somebody it's nearly impossible for two cars to finish at the same time. So the fact that three finish at the same time, it shows that like our good friend, Kevin Garnett once said, anything is possible. Oh, you, you gotta, you gotta say it with a bit more passion than that. Anything is possible. Yeah, that was yeah. Really- You know, they were probably just believing in the, the Colin McRae mantra. Oh yeah. Go flat out. <laughs> Colin McRae. What wait. Was Colin McRae racing in nineteen ninety seven? I have no idea, to be honest. Great question. No, no because idea. like that would be nuts. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like if he wasn't even born, but they were still invoking his <laughs> his spirit. Okay, hmm. no, yeah, he was he was driving by then. He was actually in 1995. He became the first British driver and the youngest person to win the World Rally Championship. So, shouts out Colin McRae. Yeah, maybe he should join <laughs> F1. Hmm. How old is he? Oh, probably the tool uh, for F1. He's no longer with us. I should say that laughing, but he's no longer with us. I was gonna say like, because you guys mention Colin McRae all the time. And I have no idea who you're talking about. So I just Googled it. <laughs> and like, yeah, I guess he died I, in yeah, 2007. World, World Rally champion. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't, I didn't really know who he was either. Like, I never looked him up. But I just invoked him because Joel would invoke him. And he's really good at the crew. <laughs> hey, so it gets me all my crew wins. <laughs> that's what I mean. And it's out there now. Like, I'm admitting that you're pretty good at the crew. So whoever's listening is also going to know that Joel is pretty good at the crew, I guess pretty good doesn't <laughs> cover it he's disgustingly good and it's not it's not good yeah it's like it's satan incarnate yeah but that's also when we get platinum on the weekly uh summits yeah but you almost get platinum parts. every time yeah in fairness you do almost get platinum every time it's that's just true. those people that are playing like 24 7 that have not yep. wow that's that's i think that's the jealousy talking but let's just say that they have nothing else going on <laughs> <laughs> it's pablo gd so it's pablo gd all over again man let's just yeah. say there's a lot of basements and a lot of sweaty nerds in north america and a lot of mountain dew right <laughs> yeah or monster it's like you have to be top five thousand players to get into the platinum how many times have you been platinum game, how many times have you gone platinum i've never gotten it on pc but on ps4 it was a lot easier to get so i pretty much got it every time on ps4 the PC Master Racers. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> it's the 60 FPS advantage, I guess. Or I disadvantage guess. if you're trying to get into Platinum. Or maybe they're invoking Colin <laughs> McRae as well. Shouts out Colin McRae. Mm. <laughs> Big shouts out. I mean, I know I said it laughing because I just I couldn't believe it <laughs> that I, I didn't I didn't know anything about it. I was talking. To, oh man. Anyways, I'm not I'm not gonna dig myself a, a I mean, hole that I'm not gonna be able to dig myself out. Yeah, don't. I'll just say, like, laughing is an unconscious reaction to, uh, you know, unexpected events. So, yeah, thank you. That's, I don't hold it against you. That's that's how I feel about it sometimes. Like, when it's so ridiculous or I can't believe it, like, I can't, I just can't help but laugh, you know? All right. Yep. So, we're getting a little, we're, we're simmering a little bit more now. Um, have you guys ever heard of this one guy named Lewis Hamilton? <laughs> no, who is no, he? never. Of course, yeah. No, not familiar with him. Derek, you familiar? You familiar with with the name Lewis Hamilton? I uh, back in the day, back in the days of the score. If you guys remember that TV station, I would hear his name. I think I think it was like two thousand eight. I think I don't know when he started, but I think he was like the the new kid on the block, and he was turning heads. Wow, that's just actually... to clarify, I was being sarcastic. No, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's... obviously. Also, shouts out the score, cabbie in the streets. You know what I'm saying? Um, but funny that you say 2008 because this story actually took place in 2008. Um, so Lewis, his first season was in 2007. That was the year that Kimi actually won his his world championship, 
and Lewis came second by one point. He could have been the first rookie to win the the like Formula One World Drivers Championship. So the man was already like a stud from from the beginning. But in two thousand eight, there was what I think a lot of people would argue like the craziest finish to a season, because um, Hamilton won his first championship on the last lap of the last race, and. What basically happened is heading into the race, Lewis Hamilton was seven points ahead of uh, the, the driver in second place, so Felipe Massa, and they were racing in Brazil. So it was the it was the Brazilian Grand Prix. Felipe Massa is Brazilian, right? So he had all the fan support and kind of had the momentum. Um, so in order for Massa to win, he had to win the race, and Hamilton had to finish sixth or lower so that he could accumulate enough points um, and, and make up that seven-point gap that, that Lewis had on him. So on the Saturday, in, in qualifying, he, he, he qualified on pole, so he was in, in the best possible position to start off. And then, so he started the race, race was going well, Massa was, was dominating, um, and he actually won the race. So, you know, what, what he needed Hamilton to do was finish six or lower. And with six laps remaining, the rain began to fall. Now, I don't know how much or, or, or like how much you guys know about like the like having to change the tires or, or the difference in strategies when like rain starts falling down. So depending on the severity of the rain, um, you could stay out on, on your slicks. So like your softs, medium or hards. But if the water starts to accumulate too much, you'll have to go to the intermediates. And then if it's like monsoon type weather, you switch to to the full wets. So in Interlagos in Brazil, it's pretty well known for having like really heavy bouts of rain fall periodically, which makes the strategy like uh, a, a lot more dynamic between teams. But anyways, Hamilton was holding on to fourth place uh, with six laps remaining when the rain began to fall. So pretty much everybody pits for wet tires, except one driver, Timo Glock, he's, he's a German driver. He decided to stay out on slicks. So when Hamilton came out of the pit after doing the tire change, he was in sixth place. And like literally as soon as he came out, he got passed by Sebastian Vettel. So once he got back up to speed after his pit stop, he was in seventh. And it just kind of looked like he was going to fall behind again and, and lose by just a couple points, just like the year before. And then on the final lap, the heavens basically open for Lewis. Like he's hashtag blessed. And that's something that everybody keeps saying that he is. Cause he's like, literally he, he's not only like super skilled, but he's also extremely lucky. I, I don't know who he made a deal with, but I want that person's contact. Um, but on the last lap, Timo Glock who hadn't pitted for, for the wets was completely skidding around. So he just, he could not get the grip and Hamilton passed them on that final bend before the last straight finishing in, in fifth place and basically giving him enough to, to win the 2008 World Drivers Championship. And the most heartbreaking thing was that, like, Felipe Massa, since he came in first, like, the Ferrari was already celebrating, like, his dad was celebrating, the fans were celebrating, and then on that last bend, Hamilton basically took took the win from him and, and the championship, I should say. So, yeah. He, so he basically pulled the, I'm going to let you finish, but... <laughs> Yeah, he, he was driving for McLaren, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he, he was driving for McLaren, and he hit him with a no you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> with a no my one more, Shinderu. Oh, he yeah. definitely so, got Shinderu. 
so that season um who, wait who did you say came in first again it was ferrari so that for that race ferrari and massa like won the race and he was coming yeah. into it the guy in second in the drivers championship but hamilton finished in a position where he still managed to like outscore him like he wouldn't like um massa couldn't make up the difference in points from that they had at the beginning of the race right because when the race started, Hamilton was seven points ahead of Massa. So he had to, Massa had to win, and then Hamilton had to finish sixth or lower so that, like, that points okay. differential could be overcome. But Hamilton finished yep. fifth. True. Like, he was sixth on the last lap until the very last bend, and then, and then he got fifth place. And then he snaked fifth. Yeah, and then he, he basically won. Like he won the, the entire championship. Like he didn't win the race, but he won like the whole thing. Damn, that is. I think that's the that reminds of me clutch, of. Uh... Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he this was his second year too, right? So he, like, basically still a rookie. Yeah, everything I I know about reminds me of what they I call learned it. from the um, up to speed video on uh, the Donut Media's channel mm. on YouTube. So shout out to that. Yeah, yeah, the donuts a good channel. Good videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But the the other thing is like as as clutch as it was for Hamilton, like I I can't help but feel bad for Massa because like imagine in your home race you you lose the championship like that, and Massa never won a championship. Like he he finished his career with with no championships, and it could have been that one. Damn, did he race for a while, eh? Oh yeah, I think he had a more like uh, like a ten year career. East. So he was basically yeah. like he finished he the was, race, he was out of his car, he was already celebrating, and then he's yeah. just like, oh shit. Yep, yep. There's like a famous <laughs> oh, rough. there's a famous it's video of his like family like celebrating with like the Ferrari pit crew. Like his dad is like so happy. And then like as soon as Hamilton passes him and he sees it on the TV, like everybody just like the celebration stops, man. It's it's nuts. Like you go from like the highest to highest to like complete disbelief. Yeah, sorry to the Ferrari fans, but I feel like you could make a pretty hilarious meme with the like, you know, that Simpsons thing where Ralph's or Bart's like, "Look, at least you can see right at the moment where his heart breaks." Yo, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, you could do that. And I mean, oh, I, I will. I know Derek knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I will give Massa props though because he took it well. Like he still went out and like you know, like. He he took he took it well because because that that would be hard to take I think <laughs> I, I I don't know if I'd be able mm-hmm. to react as like well as he did you know but yeah that's uh yeah Lewis Hamilton's first win of seven looking back now from two thousand eight to twenty twenty one or twenty twenty I should say because yeah. he, he he lost last year. But yeah. yeah. Now that from a- that um, amazing story, it's one even greater, one even more jaw-dropping. It's the story of Hans Heyer, the man who has all the records that no one wants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that literally no one wants. So the year is 1977, notably the year of Star Wars. And probably some other things. Shouts out Star Wars. None of that matters. <laughs> None of that matters. Star Wars? Eh. 
this is the most important thing that happened this year. Okay? So, Hans Heyer failed to qualify for the German Grand Prix. I think, actually, if I'm not wrong, during this time, there were so many teams that if you didn't pass qualification, you didn't get to race. Yeah, yeah, you're That's right. actually what I think. Yeah. So, he failed to qualify for the German Grand Prix in Hockenheim. So, what do you do when you fail to qualify? Easy. You race anyways. So, <laughs> during um, lap one, when the marshals weren't really looking, he just pulled into the pit lane and started racing. You know, no one really realized until he had to retire from the race on lap nine because, you know, bad car. I mean, he failed to qualify. His car wasn't that great. Um, leaving him with the most impressive triplet of things you can have in one race. He had a DNQ, which just did not qualify, a DNF, did not finish, and a DSQ, which I don't know what it's it actually means. Disqualified, disqualified. Disqualified, yeah. yeah. That's what I would assume. Disqualified. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in one race. So he he has the golden trio of, of things you want. The Elden Ring of runes. <laughs> He's the D triple. <laughs> He tripled yeah. himself. Triple D, the triple D. <laughs> Ooh, I like yeah. that. You never want to triple yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I like the triple D, though. Yeah, the did not qualify, did not finish, disqualified. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It helps to know yeah. the marshals who are not going to stop you when you decide to do that. Well, I mean, what, what are they going to do? Jump onto the track and pull him out of his car? Well, no. they ended up doing that anyways because he had a gearbox <laughs> issue, so he had to pull over. <laughs> he, he had a sniper on the, a sniper on the stands who shot the car, shot the gearbox. It's it's actually kind of funny, and so I'm. It, it just like the fact that he joined and like nobody realized that there was like an extra person racing. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, I wonder how that would have looked yeah. on the TV feed because it's like they show like say they show like twenty drivers, but. Then you start counting, and you're like, "Wait, aren't, isn't that whose car is that?" <laughs> Imagine it had it been like today. You just have like the um, what's it called um, like the graphics on top of it. And they're just like unknown racer, dude. At that point, I wouldn't oh. be surprised if like Amazon's AI is so good it would recognize them, even though he's not even part of that font. Like you just start looking at the car, it's like, hmm, yes. That's a Derek Bachelor racing right now. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, so we we kind of actually go for it. More to that. So cuz Derek's a tall guy, he's 6'7", right? Who is the tallest F1 racer? Oh, I think know? it's yeah, it's Esteban Ocon. I'll tell you how I'll tell you how tall he is. Is it? I thought it would be Russell. Uh he and Russell are basically like the same. So he's one one point eight six meters. What is that in what is that in feet for for us over here? Yeah, in feet. He's six, six. One, six one. Yeah, that's me. Six sure. one. So, yeah, and, but I, you'd so be tall. You're telling me F one driver? No, because <laughs> and again, I'm gonna put this out there for I guess everybody to see, but or hear. But you're you're pretty jacked, so you weigh a lot. You'd have to you'd have to weigh less. I guess I don't know. I weigh like one sixty five, one seventy. I'll tell you what the average F one driver weight is. It's between one forty three and one fifty four pounds. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, because you want to be as light as possible. Yeah. It, 
to like make the car go faster. Yeah, it makes right? sense. Yeah. Or you could just wear carbon yeah. fiber clothes. clothing. <laughs> hmm. Maybe we just should have, we should have the you the guy ever. Yeah. The tallest guy ever was a guy named Hans Schultz, who was like almost two meters. Really? Damn. Damn. Yeah. Okay, that's that's pretty crazy. But yeah, unfortunately, Derek, just like just like the rides in uh Okay, well, I just searched Hans Schultz and I get like a uh, what a Luftwaffe non-commissioned officer? Uh -oh. <laughs> like, yeah, this is definitely not, definitely not what I, what I was thinking. Um, but yeah, no, I was gonna say, Derek. Unfortunately, just like, just like a lot of the rides in, uh, in Wonderland, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you'd be able to get on one of those F1 cars and drive them. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'm cramped enough in a regular vehicle, so I can only imagine. Have you made peace? You've made peace with that fact. That I'll never be an F1 driver? That, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> or, or that I just don't generally fit into a lot of cars. Probably that one. How does it feel to not fit in cars properly? Well, it's, you know, okay, I've come to terms with it, but there, there is a certain um, subset of vehicles that, I, that do fit me very well it's just they are very expensive jeeps so, some yeah but just any big suv is generally well I, i'll generally fit so you know what you could fit on you could fit on a motorcycle because there's no ceiling <laughs> oh, yeah. i'm gonna get you on uh, yeah. one one day technically technically correct but i will never ever go on a motorcycle <laughs> what about those like um spiders with like the three wheels you know so what, about, what about a Honda Goldwing? No. It's basically like a couch on two wheels. A couch on two wheels. It, it even has like a DCT transmission, so like it's automatic. You don't even have to use the clutch. It shifts for you. Imagine sitting it's in your Honda couch Goldwing. at home. Yeah, Honda Goldwing. It's like 1800cc motorcycle or something. Uh, Weighs like no. 750 pounds. Honestly, it's just... The things with the thing with Probably motorcycles that, is that it's just way too I'm way too exposed. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. it's like no, I I need the the enclosed space of a vehicle. Yeah, come on, Joel. <laughs> Derek's like a cat, you know. He needs the he needs that like walled protection around him. I I do. I really do. <laughs> I see. Yeah. All right, tank it is then. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> get him a tank. I wouldn't get him fit a into a tank. Come on. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Oh god, any kind of military vehicle is is yeah. You'd have a you'd have a bad time. Unless you're talking one of those like yeah, transport think... like aircraft. All right, sorry. That's probably an abrupt cut, but we we've actually lost one of four one of four hosts. Uh, so shouts out Nico, who definitely wasn't feeling well, but he. He 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 held yeah. out for a good like half an hour. So, yeah, he had to pit out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He he DNF'd, <laughs> DNQ'd, and was disqualified. So I think <laughs> he did his best Hans hire impression, and just he did. tripled himself. All right, so we'll move on to the next one, and I guess I'll I'll take Nico's share of the stories. But you know. This one is about Nicky Lauda, you know, you know, Joel, you you like him, Nicky Lauda. Oh yeah. 
I know, I know, Mickey Lauda. That movie's way too good. Rush, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I've. Chris Hemsworth. That's where I first learned about Nicky Lauda. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Actually, speaking on that movie, apparently Nicky Lauda, like the real Nicky Lauda, said that it was like 80% accurate and thought it was good. So if you yeah, haven't yeah. seen I it. I actually watched that interview with him. It's like a five-minute interview where he goes over like uh, the different points of the movie. And Derek, have you – you haven't seen the movie or have you? No. No. Do you know who Nicky Lauda is? Like just off the name alone? Uh, I've heard it, but I couldn't tell you anything. Okay, no worries. I mean, he's he's like one of those like beloved drivers who used to like race in in the seventies and stuff. Um, so mm-hmm. Joel, I'm sure you know kind of exactly what the story is gonna go towards because you've seen the movie and it's probably like the big event of of the movie, right? Um, mm-hmm. But Nicky Lauda basically had one of like the worst like crashes and accidents in F1. He, he essentially got burned alive, like in his own vehicle. Um, so this was like in 1976 at the German Grand Prix, where it seems like a lot of stuff has happened, or at least the stories we've picked. Um, so he had a car accident, his car caught on fire. And I mean, was, I was just gonna say it's on the Nürburgring Nordschleife, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was in the Nürburgring, which which is a pretty like, Let's say dangerous, dangerous for lack technical. of a better word, but yeah, yeah, it's very technical. It, it can be dangerous, especially back in the day when the cars like safety just wasn't as like big as it is now. Um, Probably no traction control. No, not at all, man. And it's just like, yeah. I, I mean, like I'm not the most like technical, technically savvy person with cars, but I'm pretty sure like at that point you were still doing your gear shifts with like one hand on like a you know what i mean like your 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 gear shift whereas now you have the paddle shifts like in the steering wheel so oh, okay so yeah, yeah i guess yeah that's probably true because i think in the movie they show uh chris Hem- hemsworth character like his like not <laughs> it was it is what it's called his his knob falls off on his gear shift and he's like he has to shift it with like just his like hand and yeah. it's like cutting into his hand because the vibration yeah. yeah 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 and then like i mean just if you know how tight some tracks like Monaco can be and stuff, like to have to do those gear shifts with one hand and drive with the other, like, yeah, those those guys are mad lads. Not to say that the, the guys now aren't, but yeah, these guys were, were crazy. Um, but yeah, so Nicky Lauda was like, he got into an accident. He was, he was being burned alive. Thankfully, was rescued by some other fellow drivers who saw his car on fire and actually like pulled over and, and dragged him out of the car. Um, so... Like he inhaled hot gases, like which damaged his lungs. Like his face was all burnt because the like the protective visor had like melted and stuff like that, um, and kind of like grafted into his skin. He lapsed into a coma, and then was in the hospital for for a little bit of time. But I like literally a little bit of time because, despite being burned alive, like inhaling gases, damaging his lungs, and like having like plastic grafted onto his skin and stuff. He was cleared to race six weeks later. So he went back to racing six weeks after that. Yep. (laughs) At the Italian Grand Prix. And like he lost his right ear. Like he completely lost his right ear. His face and head were like super badly scarred. And I mean, that scarring lasted like till the end of his life, basically. Um, He had to like undergo corrective surgery so that his eyelids could work again and he could like blink properly. So... He had all this done and comes back six weeks later 
and then qualifies in fifth and finishes fourth in the race. So, yeah, like that. That's that's just at least for in terms of F one. That's one of the, if not like the best of of comeback stories. You know, in terms of in terms of drivers that have gone through like a crazy crazy event. Now, in twenty twenty, there was another driver named Roman Grosjean for Haas, who also like went into the barriers and his car actually caught fire. Like he was in his car on fire for like 20 seconds or something like that. Um, but he was able to pull himself out and like, he suffered really bad burns to his hands uh, because he, he had to grab onto like the metallic railing to pull himself up. But Damn. you can just see the difference. Like, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they might've, I think Nicky Lada was in the fire for longer, but the fact that like it was Rojan, at least 45 seconds i think yeah yeah it was it, it was a while which you know it makes sense and, and like with the race suits not being as like fireproof as now and like the helmets and stuff and like i said safety was just on a different level back then um not like it is now it's it's kind of crazy man like i'd be pretty freaking terrified to get back into a car if i almost like burned alive in it let alone like finish the race in fourth like almost podiuming and i think that was in a ferrari which if you remember the movie you know is oh yeah not a good car sorry i think he what he, he like lost control and he hit the wall or something and then he came back bounced back on the track and then another car hit him and that's what caused the uh like fire yeah he got hit by two different cards i think it was yeah, you're right. You're right. He bounced off the wall. He came back into the track. And then, in yeah, the two drivers that were, were going past ended up hitting him as well. So, I mean, yeah, it was definitely a miracle that he was able to live after that. I mean, even after just one of those. It's a miracle he was able to live after being hit by, like, two cars, after being bounced back on track. But then also, like, being in a car with fire and then, like, coming mm-hmm. back from a coma. And in less than two months, you're back racing again. That's pretty crazy. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's so, definitely a man of a determined mindset, that's for sure. Yeah, he's Austrian, so those, I, those Austrians. I question his mindset a little bit, just because in, in just Googling uh, him for like five minutes, I saw a quote that said, um, or he was quoted as saying, too much safety will ruin F1. Or something like that. You know, there's. Hmm, it's interesting because in the movie that he was like more of the purveyor of safety, and he was like trying to get them to not race on the Nurburgring because there was a chance that it was going to rain, and he already knew that it was very dangerous. Yeah, I don't know how accurate that is to the actual story, but. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure after an accident like that, you might, you know, you'll be a little more cautious. Although I don't know if the quote, Derek, specifically that you think of. It might be related to like the the halo, so which is it's recent. It's from like maybe like five years ago or something like that. But when you look at the F at an F one car now, you you have that little like protective barrier like where the driver's head is, right? Um, mm-hmm. That's called the halo, and it wasn't very popular when it was introduced for the first time. Like a lot of people actually hated it. Um, but it's it's proven it's worth time and time again because literally like any big accident that's happened since like the halos basically saved the driver 
Um, like when Grosjean had his crash and went on fire, the only reason he, he was able to survive going through a metallic barrier was because the halo took the impact instead of his head, right? Because like he even said so himself. Like he, he was like, if the halo didn't exist, I would have been decapitated by this like by the metallic barrier, right? Um, and then last year there was a an incident with Hamilton and Max Verstappen where they crashed and Verstappen's car like went on top of Hamilton's and then like his back wheel basically would have crushed Hamilton's head if, if the halo wasn't there. Cause the halo took, took that impact. So I don't know if the quote is related to that, but it might be because I know that it was, uh, it, it just wasn't very popular. Yeah. I just clicked a, I'm just Googling like a image search and then it was one of clicked on one of the images and then the, it was just like the little blurb at the top for the and it just seemed the halo yeah true well i i guess it must have been i i don't know when it was when he said it or when he was quote unquote quoted as saying it but well shouts out to nikki lauda and shouts out to the halo you know and watch rush if you haven't watched it and not just Such you, Gary, but I, I mean, like, to. anyone else who's listening and has not oh. watched it. Okay, it's yeah, a good movie, I even if you don't the... like F1. It's, like, it's just a really good drama. I found the image. Yeah, it, it was a CNN article. It said, Nikki Lauda, too much safety will destroy F1. So that's interesting. Hmm. Interesting take, yeah. Oh, is um I, is he still with us or did he pass away? He passed away a couple years ago. He passed away a couple years ago. Twenty nineteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, of old age. I'm pretty sure. I don't think it was anything. Anything really? Yeah, yeah. He died in the hospital. So, no man. He lived. He lived a long life, thankfully, and he was able to, you know, overcome his his injuries and and his scarring because that probably would not have been easy for. For anyone to really handle, right? I'd say that that's an understatement. <laughs> I yeah. don't think anyone wants to live through that. Yeah, but like he was successful in his racing days as well. But what he did afterwards, he was the like a non-executive chairman of Mercedes F1 team. So, Loud Nicky Lauda was responsible for bringing Lewis Hamilton from McLaren to Mercedes, and I mean he he was there when. Like Mercedes has been dominating up until this year, where they haven't been super hot. But even la- like up until last year, since 2014, they've been they've been the dominant team, and Nikki Lauda was a big big part of that. So on and off the track, just just causing havoc, you know. Damn. Legend. Yeah, he was uh, famous for being a shit disturber, apparently. Yeah, like, which you talking can see to, in, in down the to Ferrari, too, who's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, classic, classic, classic clip there where he's he's talking, yeah, and he's talking smack about the Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, so this next one here, this is one of the like, like this one and the next one were the, were the two kind of big ones that we wanted to to save to the end, but there's a. Uh, a diamond, a lost diamond mystery that hasn't been solved. And it's, 
it's a weird F1 story, but this happened in 2004 at the Monaco Grand Prix. So I'm just going to set the stage for y'all here, okay? So in general, and I mean, it's no surprise to anyone, but Formula One cars and like the specific parts that come with them, they're worth a lot of money, right? Um, and there's estimates at least a couple of years ago where nearly $10 million worth of components could be scrapped after just a few races in, in a given season, right? So whenever they do the replacements, now it's less so because F1 is more focused on uh, efficiency and sort of reducing a carbon footprint and everything. So the amount of repairs and replacements you can do is, is limited. But like, you know, maybe let's say like 10 years ago um, or even in 2004 when those rules weren't in place, yeah, a team could go through like $10 million worth of components after a couple of races, right? Because they wouldn't focus on reliability as much. So, you know, back then, like it was it was really common for F1 teams to, um, to, to do that, kind of have really valuable pieces of uh, kit taken to the scrapyard without a second thought, just to, like replace them. So in 2004 in monaco and monaco is like the crown jewel of f1 races that's where like all the rich and powerful like the celebrities kind of go to see it it's very like luxurious and lavish right um and at the time mm-hmm. oceans like the oceans 11 series or like yeah you know like oceans 10 oceans 11 and stuff that was like yeah, yeah. A, a big like it was still popular i think oceans 11 came out in 2001 but even in in 2004 like it was still being talked about and I think there was a sequel coming out at that time. Cause I remember George Clooney and Brad Pitt and stuff being at that Grand Prix and being like photographed and everything. So as part of a, as part of a sponsorship deal with that oceans 11 sequel, the movie promoters and Jaguar F1 team decided that they were going to put a literal diamond in the front nose of each car. Okay. So at this time, like Jaguar F1, was being piloted by Mark Weber, who's an Australian driver, and Christian Klein, who's Danish. So for each of their cars, they put a $300,000 diamond strapped to the front wing. Okay? So, I mean, yeah, we're already Mm -hmm. kind of off to a bad start just by putting a $300,000 diamond in an F1 car in Monaco because Monaco is also like the most technical track. Like, it's super tight. You're racing within the in, in the streets. Like, you're racing in the municipality, right? So... Literally, mm-hmm. like, one mistake and you're in the wall. Can you kind of guess what happened? <laughs> I'm guessing there was more than one mistake or just one mistake. So, Mark Weber, the Australian, he he had a cool and composed race and was able to finish his car, like, finish the race with no incidents. So, the diamond in his, in his Jaguar was fine. But the diamond on, his, on the second driver, on Christian Klein's, uh, Christian Klein crashed on the first lap, Okay. And funny enough, oh, like we don't have, there's no footage of, of the crash. It, it happened in an area where like the, the TV feed cameras, like weren't, weren't filming. Right. So this is what kind of makes it even more of a, a mystery because we don't have footage of the crash, but he plowed head first or like nose first into the barrier on the opening lap and obviously was out of the race. So normally in those kind of situations, like the race engineers, like the, the team principals and everything would be thinking about the safety of the driver. But in this case, they were obviously worried about something else. Um, and they had to wait. Like the team couldn't just go 
to the car they have to wait till the end of the race because you have to have the marshals that like pull the car out and then like they they put it in like in, in a specific area right and like they'll do all the kind of like tests and stuff just to make sure they understood what happened and that everything is fine so they weren't able to like the jaguar team officials weren't able to go on the track to the car until after two hours once the races had finished and it was just safety regulations at the time right so nothing like out of the ordinary um but by then the diamond was gone and nobody knows where it is like nobody knows what happened after after that crash because nobody saw the crash right so it's like did one of the safety guys like pocketed did it just go flying off like when he crashed like it just ended up somewhere some random person picked it up like nobody knows what happened to that three hundred thousand dollar diamond it's pretty crazy i'm gonna guess that it's it probably just flew off somewhere and it hasn't been found because like who wouldn't try to sell that or or something it's a good point yeah and like that stuff can be traced right so but then that's even weirder right it's since 2004 crashed on the first lap so maybe it was all a setup from the beginning right and you're not far off from a lot of what the like you know conspiracies regarding <laughs> i'm not it, right? uh, yeah i'm gonna say i'm not a conspiracy nut but i can see that being a thing yeah well i mean the fact that nobody knows like you know any anyone's guess is as good as as the others right um mm-hmm. but yeah so it's been almost 20 years and nobody knows what happened to this diamond and this was one of like the the weirder ones because I don't understand what the decision is. Like, if you're like upper management, like, how do you agree to put a a three hundred thousand dollar diamond in in a, a vehicle? Like, when you know crashes and stuff like that are relatively common, especially back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty outlandish. But at the same time, if you think about like, I don't know, like like in. Uh red bull had like a certain budget or something and they had four cars and i think like this was on a video i watched recently but basically like one f1 car is basically like 65 million dollars or something so if you think about a diamond that's quote unquote only three hundred thousand, it's not like a huge loss but it is just unnecessary it's true but i like also like red bull mercedes and ferrari for example they're like the richest teams like they can afford to throw the most money at their at their vehicles and stuff other teams have mm-hmm. like a smaller budget, which I think Jaguar was one of those that wasn't like, I mean, like Jaguar is big, but like their F1 team wasn't necessarily like throwing money around like nothing, right? That makes even less sense than for you to just put a component into your car that costs money and doesn't provide any performance. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You'd be surprised, man. Like some some teams that are have like big backings, they're... The, yeah they just were mostly there for like the sponsorships and stuff like that right like they would just do kind of the bare minimum um now so there's did a they, cost did cap, they make so. it publicly known did that, they make it publicly known that there was a diamond in the front of the car yeah that was part of like a whole sponsorship they must have been like, like a we partnered yeah, up yeah, with so Ocean's yeah, Eleven like and media. everything like yeah yeah like you had george okay, Clooney okay, and okay, stuff sure. like they were taking pictures with it right it was like hey we're in monaco like all the glam and the luxury like diamond in the cars fair so there's yeah. probably a bunch of jaguars used in the movie or something oh true I maybe seen, was, uh, well i might have seen it once but yeah maybe it was taken by a jaguar <laughs> now that you mention it see a random jaguar skeleton with a dollar diamond in the, the stomach cavity one day Look, it's Monaco, man. Like rich people live there. There's there's a lot of money. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody has a pet jaguar there. 
who just happened to like eat we it. Trained it. Eat eat the diamond. Of the race. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, man. For, like first lap too. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> hmm. So that was uh. Well, at least the other yeah. cars arrived. Yeah, 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 yeah. At least at least the one one of the diamonds made it made it through, but. It was it was definitely bad publicity that the team could have gone without. Like they literally went from like being super hyped and everything because like everybody was talking about them for the diamond to everybody talking about them for the diamond. You know, <laughs> like the two contexts could mm-hmm. be more different from each other. Damn. Yeah, man. And then we get to our our last our last story. For this special episode of Around the Paddock. Um, and it's called Crashgate. So it's in 2008. And you guys might have heard of Fernando Alonso. He's, uh, he's, he's, been, he's been driving for a while. So this is his, like, he came back. Like, he, he retired in 2017, I think. And then he went and did other categories and stuff. And then he came back last year. So he's actually the oldest driver right now. But in my opinion, Fernando Alonso is the most skilled, like even more skilled than Lewis. Like he has that racecraft. It's like, Joel, you know how, you know how you say, and I'm, <laughs> I'm bringing it back to the crew, but you know how you say, like, you just know when to break and when to turn. And like, you have that racecraft in the game and stuff. Yeah, I guess just like instinct and hand-eye coordination, I guess. That's what I mean. That, that's what I think this guy has. Like, cause he, he does well in cars that are like, crap right like they they have no business doing as well as as what he does with them um so he was in in the Renault team at this at this time in 2008 and then his teammate was nelson pk jr so the basics of what happened for crash gates are like they're pretty simple um and during the singapore grand prix of 2008 nelson pk ends up crashing into the wall on the 14th lap of the race and then he ended up crashing in a specific location where the safety car had to be deployed while the debris was cleared because it, it was like a tighter area and, and they had to clear the debris. So it actually allowed Fernando Alonso, PK's teammate, to, to win the race. Like it, it gave him an, an advantage with the safety car strategy because the team was anticipating a safety car on the 14th lap of the race. So you guys can kind of follow where I'm going there, right? Um, so this was uh, in 2009, so a couple months later. Uh, Nelson Piquet was released by Renault. He lost his contract. And then Piquet obviously oh, was... Wait, wait, wait. I, I got one for this. You could say he was Piquet fired. Oh. Shout out to uh, Smash Bros players. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting that, to be honest. But yeah, they PK fire the hell out of him. So he was PK livid, <laughs> right? And, and yeah, so like within days, he, he basically like went out and said that he was given the order to crash on, on the 14th lap of that Singapore Grand Prix. And so like the, the FIA, which is like the, the governing body of, of F1, they, they released an investigation and everything. They investigated the incident and basically ended up charging the Renault team with conspiracy. 
which obviously yeah, the say, team that was sounds gonna like, like fixing like a fight or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that's literally what happened like so they told him to crash on lap 14 because obviously fernando alonso um like he he had a pretty good chance for for the championship fight this was the same year actually that uh lewis hamilton won on the last the last lap of the brazil grand prix but he yeah he was basically or no, it was a year. It was the year after my uh, my mistake. So so this happened the year after, like he had won the 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 championship, or maybe I'm mistaken. But anyways, like I, that's that's just like has nothing to do with the story here. But semantics aside, yeah, semantics aside. Um, so the the managing director, so Flavio Briatore, um, and the executive director of engineering for Renault ended up quitting, which again is a bit sketchy, right? Especially if you're saying that you did nothing wrong. But mm-hmm. there was a big hearing and everything, and then Renault was disqualified from F1. So they were suspended from participating for two years. And then Flavio Briatore was suspended from all Formula One events and like indefinitely. Um, while Pat Simmons, the, the director of engineering, received a five-year ban. Um, although actually both bans were overturned by a French court in January 2010. So it's just like, just like with FIFA, you know what I mean? This is like nothing ends up happening. Damn. What is it with the French and these governing bodies? And then just like, you know, <laughs> corruption. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying, man, I'm just saying, man. Cause it's like, <laughs> if, if, if the FIA and FIFA want to come after me, I welcome them with open arms. I'm ready. I'm saying you're just, you might get a lot of angry <laughs> French uh, male. Well, I you know shout, mean, shouts out listeners. shouts out to the French, and I'm sure they'd agree with me that these guys that that these suits, you know, these suits. You got you guys can settle it with a baguette sword fight. Oh, dude, I, I went fencing <laughs> the other day too, so it's like I'm I'm ready, man. You come with me with you come at me with a baguette sword, I'll, I'm skewing you <laughs> and dipping you in fondue natural i hope you live stream it yeah you know yeah i'll stream it i'll stream it for you guys (laughs) (laughs) i'll stream i'll stream my bouts but yeah so this i mean this crash kit is considered one of the more embarrassing moments in terms of like sport integrity and stuff but yeah they 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 basically told him to crash on purpose so that like the safety car could be released. So if I'm not mistaken, because I, I don't have like the fine details here, and obviously the audience can like skewer me with a baguette if for being wrong, right? <laughs> but if I remember correctly, Alonso had pitted before, right? So like they anticipated the safety car, Alonso pitted, and then when the safety car came out, it, maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but like, like, basically like in in layman's terms it kind of screwed over the strategies for the other teams like once the safety car came out um because whenever the safety car comes out the cars have to bunch up right so like even if you if you were in first and you had like a 30 second lead and the safety car comes out the entire field has to bunch together to do a restart so you lose that 30 second advantage um yeah yeah so there's like a lot of the times with race strategy you have to kind of consider those possibilities and you also have to try to anticipate when you expect to see a safety car so that you kind of know like to go to plan b or plan c or whatever 
but if you obviously know that a safety guard is going to come out because you're going to cause it and you're going to cause it in a specific sure. area, like where it's really going to, you know, screw everybody else over and, and give you an advantage then, you know, yeah, you're going to end up winning the race. Mm -hmm. But yeah, ended up getting a ban for two years and, uh, and the, the, the other two dudes that were banned were overturned a few years later, but but they were still banned. So Crashgate, not as bad as Watergate, but almost there. To me, it's almost more difficult because like, I mean, I know anyone can crash a car on purpose, but it's like, if it's me, I would be so in my head about, okay, how do I, how do I crash on purpose? Like, cause like normally Make a crash happens and it's like, yeah, it's like it's spontaneous and you don't know what's going on. And, you know, maybe your reactions cause things to happen in certain ways. But if you're trying to force it on purpose, like, I don't know if I could do it. I'd probably chicken out at the last second. Or maybe AI traffic just spawns in front of you. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which you know, speaking of which, at some point we're we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do that again. We have to bring it back, and yeah. so so that the audience knows because this is literally something that has never been done before. I don't care what anybody comes to me and you can't me. say that with hundred percent certainty. Literally something that has never been attempted or done before. <clears throat> <laughs> so in the crew, <laughs> the crew two. Um, what, what do you call it? It's like a police chase event, right? Like it's a police chase. You have to like hit. Yeah, hypercar police chase. It's like yeah, a police chase where you're like hitting the bad guys and destroying their cars, and you're timed, right? And the way the game works is you have like upgrade packages where you can make your car faster and and like improve their its performance. So the the higher the difficulty is for a specific level, then the more performance you want in your vehicle. Well, we decided that we're going to do a hypercar police chase with no performance boost in the highest difficulties. And how long have we been trying this for? It's been like two weeks, maybe? At least two weeks at this point. I think at least so. two weeks. At least two weeks. And sometimes when we do our sessions, it's like three or four hours straight, like doing the same race and coming so close, yet so far. And I think we're yeah, did one we get like off. seventeen of eighteen. Yeah, we 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 yeah. were seventeen of eighteen, and that was our best one. So I, the reason why I'm saying this, I'm just kind of prefacing it because, you know, maybe next week, whoever's tuning in is going to be listening to, to to some legends that have done something that have never been done before in the world of motorsports, right? Maybe we'll get well, our virtual call motorsports. No, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna oh, attribute it to the same. Yeah, I'm gonna attribute it to like you know the the umbrella thing. So our our accomplishment, if we managed to do it, I would say would match like Lewis Hamilton winning the title in 2008. <laughs> oh man, you're really gonna go there, huh? I welcome you to disagree, and that's that's totally fine. But I just want <laughs> you to know that you're wrong. So hard. <laughs> I welcome anyone to disagree, but oh, I just man. want you to know ahead of time that you. She wrong. just wants to have that bigot sword fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ever since mm -hmm. I went, yeah, ever since I did it, I just I feel it in my bones. But yeah, boys, I know it might have it, it was all it was kind of all over the place, but 
seeing as how I know that you guys um like you guys know a little bit about F1 but don't really follow it on a on a week to week basis like like Nico and I do and you know respect to our fallen soldier Nico who who had to bow out halfway through it cuz he's feeling sick but shouts out to him um but yeah I don't know if there was any particular one that you thought was like really weird or you enjoyed I can't believe that uh, I didn't realize that they had a um a corruption scandal. I mean, I guess every sport if it's around long enough should should have one, but, but yeah, that was probably the the one that is going to I'm going to think about later tonight. Goes like peanut butter and jam. Hmm. How about you, Joel? I uh, I didn't know that they did the whole like diamond uh um like media stunt that's that's kind of cool to learn about i think that was probably like my favorite one just because of how like outlandish it is and like of course you would lose the diamond on the first lap and it never to be found again <laughs> mm-hmm. like of course you would yeah it's like getting a new car from the dealership and immediately like fishing it into a wall something yep. i would never do I'm no, not a bad driver. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you you just apply those crew skills to 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 the real world, and it seems to somehow transfer over. Even though the game says that you shouldn't. Yeah, do man. That. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> they do. <laughs> but you just don't. You just refuse to listen. You just got to keep your head on a swivel. For yeah. The, the popo. Watch for those coppers. I'm just kidding. Watch for those cop. Well, unless you are the coppa, chasing after, chasing after. You know, I call them bad guys, but what what are they? They're just like they're just random cars, man. Like we don't even know what crime they've done. We just chase them off the road. I don't ask questions, okay? They're they're just they're 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 black cars with HP bars over them. <laughs> oh come on! What 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 does the color of the car have to do with anything? Hey man, I'm just calling it like I see it. This guy, this guy. It's a fun game, though. I would recommend anybody who doesn't have the crew to to get the crew to. And I would also say join our crew, but there's only a maximum of four, which kind of sucks. But, you know. Yeah. If you ever have a video game podcast episode, I'll definitely uh, talk about things I like and hate about it. (laughs) We will have a video game podcast episode. (laughs) So... To the audience, you can expect to see this. Well, you'll expect to see these guys back at some point anyways, 100%. But there is going to be a video game episode. So, you know, wait out, wait out for that one. But now I have a bit of a job for you boys. And I know that usually at the end, once we uh, once we wrap up and everything, usually Nico has a little bit of a message. Like he wants people to do something. I don't know. Sometimes he wants them to take pictures of their pets or buy f1 merch or something like that but he's not here with us right now so the responsibility is going to fall to our guests here one one of you guys if you want to step up you guys have anything to tell the audience before we wrap up for the week don't be too eager uh i don't know if it's the (laughs) the internet or something but you're just breaking up there for but didn't hear exactly what you said you have anything to say to the audience before we wrap up for the week? 
I just thought it was, you know, a good time to be here. Uh, cool, learn some F1 facts and yeah, had a good time. And you guys are down to play the crew after? <laughs> for sure. The Always. Crew. All right, guys. Thanks again for, you know, taking the time to, to listen to us with this. I know this was a bit of a different format, but, you know, it was the 10th episode. We've got guests. You know, we, we maneuvered through some unexpected um, setbacks, let's call them, even though they're not really setbacks. But we'll give a shout out to Nico again. So hopefully he's doing a little bit better. But as always, you know, how I like to roll. I, what? I said, you know, how I like to roll. I just like to bring that chaotic energy. Yeah, you are chaotic chaos. Not even chaotic neutral or anything like that. It's just chaotic chaos. <laughs> but yeah, Derek, Joel, thanks, thanks so much for for taking the time and and joining for for this episode. Hopefully, you guys had a good time, and we'll love to have you back again some other time to speak about other F one related stuff. But if you guys don't have anything to say, oh yeah, then we will see you next week. Peace out. Peace. Later. Yeah, yeah that'll sorry. I'm gonna have to call that'll it. Work. Uh I'm starting to feel too sick. Alright. Um we're Yeah. Feeling it. Yeah, I can't. Don't, don't die on stream. Yeah, later. Bye. Don't die on Bye. Later, Nico. Feel better, man. Yeah. Alright, I'm just yeah, gonna later. give it like five seconds. Right. I'm gonna put on some Jeopardy music. I can hit you with some beatboxing.